Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram Aaron underscore Dugan. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can find me at 38Godfrey on Instagram and Twitter. I did enjoy your at Stephen. I am at Stephen Godfrey, and you can follow me at Stephen Godfrey. I did find that to be uh, it's existential. It's very existential. You were you were weary last week. Yes. I'm your weary voice, this week. I was going to say, your voice sounds like you were up late at night calling coaches or agents or something. No, just, just a, a good old, uh, I call it a hipster cold now because it's not COVID. It's just the cold that you get from uh-huh. like kids and being out in public. And you, you remember those from like three years ago? I had one last week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got that com- combined with like, this is the week that it really gets going in terms of agents and assistants and just open speculation and there's nothing special about the schedule necessarily, but after this week, I just know this from doing this for the better part of over a decade yep. now, like it, it starts to get crazy now and it doesn't stop until January. Yep. Once the calendar, once we get to Halloween, things get strange and they stay that way all the way through the end of the carousel. So we'll get to some yeah. of that. We'll get to plenty of that. There's the Brian Harson stuff going on with Auburn. They have a really awesome football game coming up this weekend against Ole Miss. So we'll get to that. We've got the cocktail party, uh, whatever the hell that means this year with Florida and Georgia, of course, not a huge slate of games last week, not a huge slate of games this week, but we will talk about it all. Pat Dooley will be our guest, of course, all things Gainesville. I think he's been to like 45 Florida-Georgia games, something like that. So he's going to wow. he's gonna kind of give us a sense and a feel for what's going on with Florida, Dan Mullen, all the different, you know, Todd Grantham, all the different maturations of, of what's going on down there. Uh, he's on well. a short list of returning guests. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and, and Godfrey, you can speak to this. He's, he's as well connected as anybody on anybody's beat, maybe anywhere. He's been there forever. <laughs> yes, yes, he has. Uh, so we'll talk about that with uh, him and the Georgia Bulldogs as well. However, folks, the best part of the show, <laughs> Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by... Um, um, Jaspers with... Zero percent APR financing. We put you in charge of your own car ownership. So come on down, find a local rep near you today, and come on down and ask us about this deal <laughs> from your local rep today. It kind of it kind of made sense locally. at first. I I really enjoyed it at first, and I thought you were going to say like zero percent APR financing puts you in charge of your stomach. Still better than the gold standards. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're gonna keep yes. that going? Oh, I heard. Yes, 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 I heard. Let's not waste. Time. I heard that nonsense. He literally he he dug himself so much deeper. What did he with do? His tell explanation. Me, tell me no, we don't have time. It. I want to talk college football on this show. But huh. all right, well, what? hey, I'm God, keeping I'm keeping your rivalry inside your company going. But everything Vingan said made it worse. I just want to say that. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should listen to the gold standard. Drop there, a clip in, Braden, and post. Drop a clip in and post. We'll see. We'll see if I've got time for that. Bandwagon yeah, well, hoot You have to be fun. Like you got to be kind of fun. I, I am. I am kind of fun. You, hey, shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Of course, I'm fun. I took my five year old daughter to a concert this weekend, so I'm I'm a fun dad. Okay. Sorry, we got to talk about college football. Uh, yeah. Before we do that, <laughs> go to Jasper's. By the way, I was gonna say. Free. I was like, you're gonna make do this to me again? No, 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 <laughs> no. I would never. That's at the end of the episode. Um, no, they have a great special. Speaking of the Predators, they've got great specials during Preds games. $3 beers and a $10 smash burger, which is like double patties. It's fantastic. I took my five-year-old to go eat a burger at Jasper's this weekend. It was great. And she made it through 
12 songs of a Jason Isbell concert on Saturday night. I was very proud of her. My heart was full of joy um, and, uh, and join us. And it was wonderful. So there you go. And, and, and Stephen, how are you feeling about the world series? Oh, terrible because I'm from Georgia. So it's a, it's a postseason event for a team from Georgia. So no, I'm, I'm absolutely mortified and I'm sure I'll be in a, a specific amount of pain, a specific type of pain when we do this show next week. Okay. I hope uh, not. All right, you guys want to start with Matt Corral? You want to do that before we get to the fun? The fun uh, yeah, um, I fun will. Brian stuff. We'll do a mea culpa real fast. Um, no matter how Bush League my alma mater uh, operates, I will say that this is the most entertaining team in college football. Ole Miss, if you are just looking for a college football team to watch on any like any particular slot on Saturday, you're killing time before your own game, a different SEC game, whatever. Watch Ole Miss. It is infinitely entertaining. It used to be entertaining because it was like cheap fireworks. You didn't know if they were going to go up or they were just going to go off in the dude's hand. Um, now they seem to be somewhat efficient. I was actually really impressed with what I saw against LSU. They were able to bend a lot of that LSU success against Florida back against them, made them look very, very simple. Their defense looked good. What a weird one more time. Their defense yeah. looked good. Or, um, L- or LSU went back to being LSU this year. Yeah, it's you know it's definitely. Well, a I think bit their of defense looked better, regardless. Yeah, I mean, their LSU's O line is is just it it is it is fireable. If nothing else had happened, Fred, I was wrong. That that O line is is a fireable offense. So, all that being said, Matt Corral, uh, electric fun quarterback, not going to win the Heisman. The only way I could see that happening, based on the Heisman voting pattern and the, and just the ideology of the voting block, is that if Ole Miss were to win the West by Alabama losing again. And then he were to pull off some sort of miracle against Georgia because the Heisman is one, the most overrated award in all of sports Two, the dumbest thing in the world. And three, it's just a herd movement. It's just like watching a flock of dumb animals in the media. They're wow. just going to go to whatever is shiniest last. So, so when I voted for Najee Harris last year as a voter of this dumb herd animal thing that yeah. I am. Was that was that me doing the dumb herd animal thing that was the shiniest thing last, or was that me voting for what I thought was the best player in the co- in the country? I just it, it's arbitrary. It, it's one of the most arbitrary exercises in all of sports, and this one for some reason is just more hype. Like there's more talk about the Heisman in this sport than there is for any other outstanding single player in any other sport in America. I don't understand it. The rubric is insane. The, the, you know the context by which we make this selection seems to change almost annually. But in the last couple of years, it's just been sort of run to whatever the highest scoring team was, who's also the most successful and find a skill position player there. Well, I, I mean, listen, you, you <laughs> I don't really have any uh, maybe I'm just more Pollyannish and, and naive about this award because I still view it as like the, the most prestigious single individual award in all of major American sports. And I take voting for it extremely seriously. I, I pride myself on not voting for the herd mentality. I, I voted for Christian McCaffrey. I voted for, I didn't vote for Lamar Jackson. Um, not because I, you know, not because they weren't deserving. I just, I pride myself on doing yeah, what do you work. got against Lamar. I, I do. I, yeah. I, I pride myself on doing the work, uh, you know, like to, to try to vote for a, a defensive player or vote for an offensive lineman. If that's who I thought would, would belonged in the list. So well, congratulations. I, you're part of about 10% of people who do that. Okay. That's all I cared about was you validating tops. me. Tops. <laughs> Maybe 10% would be incredibly generous. I've I've overheard some of the biggest names in this industry in terms of media talk about the way they formulate their Heisman ballot. These people shouldn't have driver's licenses. Like, 
this is just I, it, I, I've never I've never been particularly fond of the award. I think the pageantry is kind of fun. You know, downtown athletic club, I get all that. But like to the point with Corral, I'm not saying this to be anti Ole Miss or anti Corral. I'm saying this because the Heisman tells us he's not going to have a platform from here on out based on their schedule that he could win the Heisman by himself. You know, te- Texas A&M game will be pretty big. Auburn is this weekend. Aaron, I, Aaron, if you were to pick any team to watch in the SEC, would it be Ole Miss? At this point, yes. Over Georgia, Bama? I mean, I kind of know – I wouldn't say that – Missouri? I would trade it all season and have to watch Ole Miss instead of Georgia all season, but now I know what Georgia's about. There's less surprises there. Ole Miss is continuing to – um, get better, improve, like Steven said, on defense. And they held LSU to like 77 rushing yards. I mean, they're, it, it, the trajectory we talked about with defense, like maybe LSU is kind of falling off the wagon more, or maybe Ole Miss is getting better, or maybe we're seeing a combination of the two. But when you have a quarterback like Matt Corral, it's hard to look away. And just as a testament to the difference he's really making, not that not any of us are having a problem seeing it, but oftentimes when you kind of nail a coach down and ask him questions about the quarterback, the clear star player, they divert the conversation just back to the offense or the team as yeah. a whole. And Lane Gibbons, not even trying to do that. He's just like, uh, we're not the team we are without him. Uh, everything's <laughs> riding on him. He's a warrior. I wish he had all the other offensive weapons around him to like max out his potential, but he's just just falling straight into it I yeah mean, he said i think he said after the arkansas win we knew we had a we, we always knew we had a chance no matter which way the game went because of our quarterback yeah. pretty pretty bold and he's I right mean, i mean there's no way you hold serve with those with those defensive lapses would be an understatement without having a quarterback who can do what he can do on first down yeah well, and, and what i what i like about his season and as a voter it, because of what we're just talking about, how important he is to the team. But it's also that he's not just doing it. He's not, he's not just doing one thing, right? You throw for 185 yards and then your team runs 50 times and you beat LSU. Mm-hmm. Now you've got to play Auburn. You're going to play A&M. You got a couple, those are two ranked teams that if you go out and, and showcase your talents, he ran the ball 30 times for 200 yards against Tennessee on the road. I, I just think he's doing a lot of things. And in a year where there's nobody else that's even come close to, I think CJ Stroud at Ohio State, if he finishes the job with a lot of big wins over ranked teams to your point about platform, Steven, then I think that he's going to be in the mix, but I don't, who else is, who's been more outstanding and more important and more valuable or more whatever for their team than Matt Corral has been right now if, at, this, at this point of the season. If Oklahoma goes undefeated and goes into the playoff, Caleb, Caleb Williams will have a better shot than Matt Corral. Having started seven or eight games. Yeah. It's a stupid award, man. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And there's, there's a long history of this, where logic just goes out the window, especially down the stretch. They, you win the Heisman in November. I know, I know. So I'm aware. Um, Ole Miss, you can't win. But you can't win the Heisman at, at 90, uh, 90 to ninety five of the FBS programs. Can't win it. What about Baylor? They would I mean, not. They have had, been- they had they had one. They had one guy who was a generational talent, and in okay. and, and also the generational season of their program's history. That's so true. it'll be another sixty years. <laughs> Ole Miss against Auburn. Um, I do think there's an opportunity for for Matt Corral to, to bolster the resume, but I also am fascinated to watch both quarterbacks. We'll get to the off the field stuff. Couldn't come at a better time, Auburn fans, for your court for your coach to be making the governor of your state put out press releases that are f- entirely political. Um, 
Bo Nix has been good. Auburn is not a bad football team. This should be one hell of a football game on Saturday. Yes, I think it'll be a much better game than LSU was. I think it is a tremendous trap game for Ole Miss because this is one of those helmets on the field sort of curses for this program. We're taught, we're now taught, we, something has happened since Tennessee where Ole Miss is now a reliable winner. And yeah, that's just not jiving with me, guy, because we can go back and look at the LSU game and say, wow, that's a very porous offensive line. That's how they were able to establish pressure and keep the, and keep the game low scoring. Tennessee, obviously, we know what their weaknesses and deficiencies are. Auburn's a more consistent roster than both of those teams. Just before we talk about what has or hasn't happened in the Malzahn transition to Harz, like this is a better football team overall. Ole Miss is going to have to hold serve historically when now when Gus was there, this was a tit for tat would Auburn would always be that that last possession better or that seven points better. I don't know. I, I this could this could be a, a defining game for Derek Mason in terms of the way they scheme this offense because you can break it like Alabama showed a real showed a very efficient way to break it. Uh, Auburn is favored, Aaron. I think this is the this is the game at the beginning of the season that could have been the one that's like Ole Miss shouldn't lose this, but they might. Now yeah. I think it's a lot closer than any of us expected it to be, or at least for me. I thought it was, you know, I didn't think if you've asked me at the beginning of the season that that Auburn would be favored in this matchup. So this could be the one that Ole Miss, you know, drops that they even though Auburn's favored, I I mean, I think Ole Miss should win the game, but I I think in true Ole Miss fashion, it, this could be the one that they that they drop. It wouldn't be as big of a deal. I mean, it wouldn't be an embarrassing Ole Miss loss. Like they always have one of on their schedule. Yeah. I I don't think this qualifies. Um, I I, want to get into what Brian Harson has done with the offense and Bo Nix with with you in just a second, Stephen, but you guys have been both very staunchly. Well, Ole Miss will do the Ole Miss thing and they'll, they'll win when they're not supposed to, they'll lose when they're not supposed to. I have said all season, I think they're going to win every game they're favored in and they're going to lose every game they're not favored in. And this would qualify as a, loss in that in that in the in the technical form and definition of this game auburn is at home auburn is favored Ole Miss is not picked by vegas to win the game so i auburn is going to win <laughs> in my i mean i, in, in I my have, bizarre prognostication i have reservations about both of these teams it's just that it, 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 it's, it's it's a trap you can fall into when you're only using historical context it's just that rarely is an Ole Miss team so put together that they go into auburn and they hold serve uh, like just in the 15, 20 years I've been doing this. Like it's just, that doesn't happen. They're coming off of a bye. I like every single thing they did against Arkansas, not a bad football team by any stretch. It was as I don't like this cliche, but complete team win. If you go through or you look at advanced analytics, the win against Arkansas was probably the most impressive thing they've done all season, considering what Penn state has become just saying. No, no, but that was Bo Nix's best, most efficient passing day of his entire SEC career. Yes. So, if you want to boil it down to one thing and make it really, really simple, it's that how good, how improved was that Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss defense, especially up front in the front seven, or was that a product of what they played? Because if Auburn, who likes to get Bo comfortable by doing a balanced attack, is running anywhere in the neighborhood of like four and a half to five and a half to six yards in first and second down, they're going to win this game easily, flat out, because then they're going to start grinding, and then Ole Miss is going to press from behind. One of the things that hasn't really happened a whole lot this year, except the Alabama game, is Ole Miss desperately trying to come from behind in a one one or two scores. That's a completely different lane Kiffin offense, even as fast as they go. Yeah. 
Uh, quickly before we get to Harson, what? Well, I guess this is Harson' question. What, what? What is it that he's doing? Is he? Can you put your finger on the the, the internal struggle versus you know Bo Nix development? How much does the quarterback get credit? How much does Harson get credit? Have we? Do you? I mean, they haven't played a game since we had this conversation last week, so I don't know if we've got any more information. But has has anyone's opinion evolved in in this conversation yet? Um. I, w- I would probably sit where I was last week, Aaron. I don't know about you, where, where I think that it's just the overall system is probably better fit for, for Bo. And it's less about Harson being sort of like a faith healer and coming in and fixing him as it is just this being an overall better fit. Not a take, but probably closer to the truth. Imagine that. I think that along with maybe just like age and like general maturation of him as a player those things just kind of hit at the same time yeah. like you said better system and then just you know because like becoming the player that hopefully he is destined to be or capable of being and then also you know gaining that confidence like we talked about last week of when you're going up early and then you can really settle back into the system and kind of just execute it the way that it needs to be without playing outside of yourself. Both things we talked about last week, um, you know, allowing him to kind of build that confidence in himself as a player and also his team around him. So, yeah, we don't have anything else to go off of, but yeah. I feel the same. All right. Let, let, let me lay out real quickly what what's going on with Brian Harson here. And mm-hmm. then I want to have a conversation, not necessarily about uh, vaccines, because that that seems uh, like a silly conversation to have. But. I, I am fascinated with what we expect out of our public figures. I do think people have wildly different expectations from their public figures. And the head coach at Auburn is one of the two most high profile employees of the entire state. Uh, the other mm-hmm. being of course, Nick Saban. Um, so I'll, I'll quickly lay it out, but essentially Brian Harson gets COVID in very middle of camp, trying to start his first season taking a dream job at Auburn, you know, into the hottest and deepest treacherous waters of college football in the SEC West in the state of Alabama and is away from his team for an extended period of time because he gets COVID. Okay, whatever. Not anybody's fault. Just we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Now now there's a vaccine mandate because Auburn University, of course, to work there, you have to have a mandate. The, de- the, de- the deadline, I believe, is December 8th. And he, much like Nick Rolovich at Washington State, refuses to talk about it, tell anybody if he's got the vaccine or not. It's a fireable offense. There's no legal argument against that. Um, if he's taking a stand on something, then I think it's awfully soft not to tell people what you're taking a stand off of. He could, in theory, cost himself a $25 million job if he just decides not to get a vaccine. So we're not going to preach at people about the vaccine. Um, but we've seen Nick Saban go out on campaigns in the state of Alabama. We've seen Charles Barkley go out on the state and do campaigns. My question, Aaron, is what obligation does the head coach at Auburn have to his fan base, to the people of the state, to the people who pay his salary? Do, does he have an obligation to talk about this situation publicly in your opinion? This is, this is tough for me. And I don't know if me saying that this is tough is going to be a controversial statement in itself. I think that you want to say that like people in some way, shape or form are, you know, are entitled to their own sense of privacy, but this pandemic falls far outside of anything normal. Um, I think we do expect a lot of our, of coaches and public figures to like put everything out there in terms of their personal life or someone finds it if they don't. 
Um, this is a very one-off situation considering that we're in this global pandemic. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know my, if I have a strong stance on this. I mean, I, I know he's not going to not get the vaccine if he hasn't already. I mean, I don't think, I think if he, Wait, you, you think felt, you, you, wait Washington state fired a coach because of this. I just don't think Harson's going to walk away this from this job because of a vaccine. Okay. I cannot imagine oh, that. Be the case. That's interesting. Cause I don't know. Really? Now he could actually have the vaccine already and we he don't could know. already have it. I mean, however, all that being said, I mean, do you really need to take that strong of a, if he's not fired, we're going to know what he, what he right, did. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, the governor's <laughs> trying to change the rules, but that's not going to happen because kids have to get immunizations to go to school. So, I, listen, I don't want to talk about vaccines on this. I want to talk about what he's because, obligated to share. Right. Because I think, and in, in, uh, again, different rules for different fools. And when you are a multi-million dollar head coach at Auburn, different rules apply to you because what you decide and what you say affects other people's lives. Yeah, and that's true. I, I think that's a, a thing we have to consider here. Um, the other side of this is, uh, if you want to take this is America, have a take, take a stand. That's great, but mm-hmm. but the refrain around, I'll just say, a particular quarterback who used to kneel, for example, that the the refrain was, oh, he's just trying to be a martyr. He just wants attention. Well, that doesn't. That's not any different. If you're not going to tell us what you are, like even even not telling us is a stand that you could stand up for and say, look, I don't believe people should be in our private business. I believe this, I believe that. I just think it's really soft not to tell us why you are doing what you're doing. That That's my issue. It's not, it's not that I agree or disagree. I have my own opinion on a vaccine, whatever, but like, I don't, that's not the issue to me. It's same thing with Rolovich at Washington state. Like if you're willing to give up a $20 million job for something, why not take the actual stand and tell us what you're actually talking about? I think he has the vaccine. He doesn't want to say it in the state of Alabama because it's Alabama and he doesn't have the track record or the stance or the the uh, job security that Nick Saban has. So wow. he wants to stay neutral. Interesting. I think that one of the first people to get the vaccine in college football is Nick Saban. I think the state of Alabama has absolutely no interest in your personal politics. The second it in it it impedes the progress of your college football program yeah okay well, is, isn't that what this, this is, is not on? a vaccine conversation what this is going to be reduced to is a is very clear almost a binary very simple terms auburn's going to look at this and say are you causing any kind of distraction that takes away from auburn's rebuild ascension how whatever you want to frame it as remember they just fired a man and paid him 20 million dollars not to coach college football and he has the vaccine okay the second, if you don't want to talk about this in terms of whether or not people should get a vaccine, that's fine. Obviously, I think we all believe we should, and I'm vaccinated, but um, <laughs> plus one. This is real simple. The moment this becomes a problem for Auburn football in the eyes of Auburn power brokers, and I do mean the second, unless he finishes the season undefeated, they will go for his throat in a second. You got to understand this. Long before people figured out that Brian Harson may or may not be an anti-vaxxer, a lot of the most important people at Auburn didn't want him to be their head football coach, and they don't want Alan Green to be their athletic director either. This is, is that, the is, most is volatile that- school in the Southeastern Conference. I would really advise against smoking next to the woodshed. Is that because he 
uh, Alan and, and the athletic director in this situation. Is that not, is that because he actually did what an athletic director is supposed to do and cut out the boosters for like five seconds? Is that why they're pissed off? I mean, it's a little bit of an oversimplification, but yeah, it's, it's mainly because it, it's not even that it's because good, good, smart booster cores will let the AD shine because it, that's, that's why you install a figurehead. You, you want people to think that that person's in charge. It's ceremonial leadership. Um, it's that he did that pulled away from them and then hired someone that, the, that, a pretty significant portion of the craziest and richest folks didn't really have any interest in. So unless this dude turns into football coaching Jesus immediately, there's going to be a reservation against Harson. That was, look, I got phone calls in July of 2021 complaining that Harson wasn't effective enough in recruiting already. That's not a joke. That's not hyperbole. This is Alabama. This is the state of Alabama. That's the standard. Okay. Fast forward to October, you know, last week of October, you've already lost football games. All right. You're going to lose to Alabama. You're not blowing the world. Like they're not killing it in recruiting. Take a look. Like they're not on the ascended level of, of, of see what just to stop for a second. They wanted to become Clemson again. They feel like Clemson took their spot in the world. They are no faster or sooner fixing that problem than before they hired Brian Harson. They don't care about vaccine status. Yes. No, most I of them agree. are conservatives and most of them have particular feelings about uh, the president or different divisive political issues. The reason why college football is what it is, is that stack all that stuff here. College football is more important to them. So that's so why, it. So again, why, why create a distraction for your team? And maybe it's not, maybe because he don't know, man, this is the most damning thing <laughs> okay, I can say right. about it. he don't know. He thinks he does. He don't know. Is this just a, like, welcome to the SEC, it's just different? Is that what you're saying? Like, it's just, and Auburn's even more different than the re regular amount of different? He, this is just some backwater <laughs> bullshit, to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to slight Boise. I, I think I had a Boise t-shirt on last week on the show. Like, I love G5 football. This is him not reading the room. Okay, so why doesn't he just say, yeah, I've been, uh, get the shot. I've been vaccinated. Because he's not vaccinated, bro. <laughs> he's not. So get, you. so get vaccinated, get the shot, put out a five, five word statement on Twitter. The entire world forgets all about it. That was ever a story in a matter of yes. four hours. And then you can say we're focused on old Mississippi right. on to on Bama. We're focused yeah. on whatever. Why, sure. Why not? Why is that not the play? Because he doesn't, he doesn't understand <laughs> right. where he's at. He, he doesn't understand the consequences. Okay, right. He doesn't understand. He thinks he understands because he's been given this job that is so powerful and important. But what you don't realize in these positions, and I've been around a lot of coaches, is the rarefied air gets you high, and then you lose the, you lose the ability to realize that you are still grounded to something, and you answer to people. And he hasn't even done anything to earn the equity he thinks he has. Well, and you spend the rest of your career chasing that high that never is quite as good. Um, Steven, your personal opinion on football coaches having stances on issues because they are public figures, just in general, for, forget the, the actual person here. I just want to know what Stephen Godfrey thinks about. I mean, I, I, I don't expect anyone to be an automaton. That's fine to, to have a political opinion. It's fine to, it, it's, it's fine to be a human being. Totally fine. It's also totally fine when there's a reaction to it. And that goes both ways on both sides of the aisle too. This is one of those two, like I am probably more 
free speech oriented closer to the heterodox thinkers amongst progressive colleagues than than not, which makes me a little bit older than most of my pro- younger progressive colleagues. However, you have to live with the consequences of your free speech. Yes, yes. There's a reason that the Klan doesn't meet at Starbucks. So it, it meets it's out, fine it meets that out, he wants to do this. In the woods. I don't, I look, man, I didn't go to Wazoo and I don't care about Wazoo. So it doesn't bother me. But like the idea that Rolovic can go around and victimize this narrative to me is just, that's false. So, right, right. Bully for you for showing up for your independent rights, but there are consequences to your free speech is not without consequence. Also, this isn't a free speech issue. It's not. No, no. I can't just, send my kids to a school if they don't have an MMR shot. Right, like this and, is no different. And it's no in Twitter and Instagram. It's not free speech either. Like you sign a piece of, you sign a little, you check a box. You say, I agree to these terms. And that's not, that's not a free speech issue either. I just want to clarify that for people out there. All right. Just curious, just curious about what you guys, what you guys thought there. Fringe Element, Aaron Dugan, is brought to you by... Jaspers, here comes the Cards Against Humanity. Oh, you're, you're sticking with that this week again? One more week of this? You want to do it here? You normally let's make do me one do more week. Let's do three. one more week of it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's go. I, I, I'm all for it. Jaspers, um, going on a cleanse this week, nothing but kale juice and Jaspers. <laughs> Probably would be very healthy, actually. The blank was Jaspers. Going on a cleanse this week, nothing but kale juice and jaspers i took my five-year-old daughter to jaspers i said that earlier in the show did she like it she, she house a burger you said that she dude she does she, she can finish it oh my god she destroys burgers she did she do burgers. fries as well i mean because she's a small human go to jaspers by the way actually she's in like the 88th percentile of her of her grade she's actually not oh. a small not a small human for her for her age like for i her. like i'm not good at guessing kids ages yeah she is a uh like a beast and, and i really? mean that like in the positive like she will lift up and move coffee tables with me when she's like, oh, she's Dad, I want to be an athlete. Like, Dad, I want to have a dance party. And she like walks to the other side of the coffee table and like picks it up. <laughs> like, please me. put down that cylinder block you're holding. <laughs> so, a cylinder block? What is it? <laughs> what is it? Wait. <laughs> a cylinder block? <laughs> I forgot what it was. Was a cinder block? A cylinder would. A yeah, no, it's I a believe, different shape <laughs> than a block. Yeah, it's a different shape. A cylinder is like a. Although, tube. if you play building blocks with my daughter, go to Jasper's, you will actually get both cylinder blocks and regular blocks to build with because they wait. When you buy blocks, you actually get different shapes, and generally, some of them are cylinders. Yeah. Uh, also, also true story, and I posted this on, I posted this on my Twitter's account. My Twitter's account. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I, I one of the proudest moments I've ever had as a father was at Jasper's on Saturday night. So by the Why way, you, by the way, you could go get uh, three dollar beers and ten dollar smash burgers during Preds games, home and away. So if you're a National Predators fan, it's a great place to go watch games. They got great happy hour, free parking, great food. Okay, they also have the best, and we've talked about this before. They have the best bar game, in my opinion, of any bar game at in their restaurant. Shuffleboard. My daughter, five year old daughter, has never played shuffleboard before. There's a video on my Twitter feed where, and I I'm so glad it's one of those moments where I'm glad I was rolling tape. And uh, as if it's tape or whatever. Tape. I know it's okay. Um, <laughs> hit rewind, Dad. Um, <laughs> so she she threw a puck. I threw a puck, and it was. Little, she goes. She looks at me. And she goes. I'm gonna slide this one right between that one and that one, which is hard for like a grown adult person to do playing shuffleboard for real. 
Yeah, she's like calling a billiard shot. Right. And she just goes, just pushes it, slides it, perfect tempo, right between the two. Really? Goes, goes, gets a point on the other end of the board. I go, Marin, that's literally what you just said you were going to do. And she just turns her head around to me, big old cheat, you know, shit eating grin, smiling. She is an awesome shuffleboard player. That's pretty cool. I could not believe it. She She's down there picking up two points, three points, knocking me off. I'm like, what are you doing? Wait, that's awesome. How did you learn how to play shuffleboard? She had great touch. This is what you do at Jasper's. You raise shuffleboard champions and they, she, eat, and they eat burgers. She's going to be just fine. I'm not worried about her. I, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kale juice for her. She just no. right to Jasper's and dominate. you're doing a good job. My dad like taught me to play pocket billiards for money when I was like eight. He's like, this is how you're going to get through college. And, 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 and was it? No, thankfully I made pretty good grades, which helped me get through college, but I can't, <laughs> I am a pretty good pool player. Interesting. I'd like to see that. Okay. All right. I get Jas- Marin would kick my ass and shuffleboard. No doubt. I'm not as good at shuffleboard. Jasper's needs a pool table now too, maybe. So. And I also need to like practice before I say that out loud on this podcast and then get challenged to a duel. <laughs> true, true story though. My daughter wanted burger. I took her to the Ryman for Jason Isabel for her birthday and she wanted burgers and fries. And I'm sitting there going like, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to take her? Cause like our neighborhood shop, I'm not going to take her to like my neighborhood shop. That's like right next door to our house. Cause that's not, that's not like a, Fun. yeah, you need to take her on a big date, right? I need to make it a big deal. Take her to someplace fancy. And I'm, and I go, this is a no brainer. And honestly, the parking is free. The burger's really, really good. And we could watch the Tennessee Alabama game and the Preds game, which is what she wanted to do. And I'm like, this is perfect for the Jasper's ad. <laughs> You're lucky. She's like, cool. She's very cool. Way cooler than I've ever been and will ever be. That's so a Ryman concert. Got burgers, watched sports with you and beat you in shuffleboard. She's you don't great. even like, I'm not sure you deserve her. I, I do not. I'm just kidding. You do, but that's really mean. I, it, I, I know I'm that's, a, it wasn't actually I'm a great father. I know you are. I'm going to need There therapy. is a reason you had two girls. I'm going to need therapy after this. No, you're not. Advertising read. Go to Jasper's because why, Aaron? Because the parking's free and Braden da- Braden's daughter might be there drinking and playing shuffleboard. Stealing your money. <laughs> <laughs> not drinking, but stealing your money. That's, oh, yeah. No, she doesn't drink. That's for sure. A nice chocolate stout chocolate milk for Marin. Yeah. <laughs> a chocolate stout. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Go to Jasper's Man. It is, it is truly a great place to go. Uh, we had a blast on Saturday night. Everybody should go. Go to Jasper's. Check it out. Free parking. Great food. Jasper's. Good fries, which is important. Um, Florida, Georgia. 14-point spread. We'll talk with Pat Dooley, of course. Uh, the great Pat Dooley. He's been around a, a million years. He'll hate, me, hate that I said that. Um, covering Florida and Georgia and he'll he'll dive into a lot of the Dan Mullen stuff that we talked about last week I just am curious do either of you believe that that Emory Jones or some scheme or some trick some something that Dan Mullen can do that that can actually make Georgia do the thing we've all been waiting for Georgia to do or do you think this is these two teams are just too far apart from each other um, I think there's a decent enough, ev- there's a de- decent enough amount of evidence based on Mullen's career that he has held something back schematically for this game, but I don't know how effective that will be Yeah. in terms of either the rotation of the quarterbacks or kind of like run splits, maybe, 
or something to do with an overall like like some shift in what we've seen right i mean kind of like how lsu lsu went internally and said hey we should run counter this works against florida's defense they did something dramatically different than the other games that they had played in i could i could totally expect to see that against georgia whether or not it's effective is another question i mean he hopefully he held back something pretty good <laughs> I don't, well what i was going to ask you guys is I, I can't remember. Is there always a buy for both of them? There's not before this game. Always, most, most of the time, yeah. Most of the okay. time, it's like Bama and LSU. I think is the same. Most of the time, yeah. Generally, yeah. yeah. We've had some hiccuping conference schedules this this decade, but that's because of expansion and COVID, a bunch of other stuff. But usually, yeah, it's like this. Yeah. Braden, you have been to this game, no? No, I have not. Neither of you. Never. I was shocked to learn that you'd never been, Stephen. I can't yeah, get credentialed. Yeah, I thought for sure one of you would have been before. You can't get credentialed to this game? The University of Georgia and the University of Florida for years as a policy would not credential SB Nation when I worked there. Ah. So I just didn't. So it was always something I just, I was somewhere else and never really worried too, too much about it. Also, I worked with a lot of Florida grads who, if there was going to be Florida coverage, they would probably be there right. anyway. There's a large media, either. a large media throng that are Florida grads. <laughs> yeah, Mizzou and Syracuse don't have the corner on it anymore. Like, no, there's a lot of Florida sports writers. Yes, they are, and they all start in a, on a newspaper in Florida somewhere. Yes, they are. They all come from the. Palm there's a lot of newspapers Post. in Florida still left. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of old people reading reading print. Um, listen, I, 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 if if I was gambling, I would take Florida in the fourteen. Does that sounds Does that sound crazy? No, it no, it crazy. doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, this is, it is still a rivalry game. I do think there's been enough. Here's the funny thing about outside noise, is that smart coaches, and I really don't know where I would place Dan Mullen in this, but Saban is a maestro. When there's a when there is a loss, or or a uh, a factual just just something concrete. There's an issue here. Some it's usually a loss. You lost a game. There's something going on. Criticism mounts around your program really, really good coaches find a way to harness that and redirect their team and retrench. There's been a lot of criticism around Florida. I would think that they are practicing extremely well for this game this week. Uh, I agree with that. And Pat Dooley will explain this a little bit later on. There is a lot of heat and a lot of talk and a lot of pressure around the Florida Gator program. None of that is, of course, coming from the actual people who control the burner on the stove. So just just he'll he'll do a better job explaining all of that, of course, coming up uh, a little bit later on. Oh, is he is he caping for Mullen? No, no, he's saying that there's no heat from Scott Strickland's office, <laughs> like or or the or the top level boosters that most of the heat is on Twitter, where fans are just bitching about their team. Which again, well, you know, it's funny about a gas stove, Braden. It's hot really fast. <laughs> yes, it, yes, it does. Braden, uh, you're heated about before the show. You said something about why we can't call it the cocktail party. And I'm going to be totally transparent in saying that I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I, yeah. And this actually kind of plays into it's not what, the cocktail party. This is what Steven was talking about when he, when he, I think when you use a lot of large words to describe your progressive co colleagues, um, I, I, I fall into the people are too sensitive. It's, it's important to be sensitive when it's, when it's the right time to be sensitive to someone personally, but that writ large, we are wildly too sensitive about things and words and, it's why the Red River shootout, I, I went to that game when I lived in Texas, growing up in Texas, it is still the Red River shootout. The idea that we had to take the word cocktail off of the, the name of the, the, the game is just idiotic. But they took to the me. whole, but they took the whole moniker away. It's just but so why? stupid. It's so stupid. Because it, because it was a reference to alcohol, which 
just it's gonna like, if, that's if everyone listening like, can sit down for a second a large amount of alcohol is consumed amongst college football fans yeah it's not like it's racist it's like people right. drink like you no, shouldn't be racist you can drink is, a games if you want and i won't judge your moral character since we're in the middle of a, a giant political podcast today th- this is where the left loses people th- this is where <laughs> yeah, the definitely. left this is where the left loses uh, uh, regular americans who are like what the fuck are you talking about so this, this is where the left loses people and it loses in me georgia in- i was saying in in georgia it was just called so it, it became kind of a wacky thing where i think it shows up on t-shirts first historically the world's largest outdoor cocktail party and then you would hear announcers and media mimic that back it has colloquially amongst the two schools and just the fans that live in that portion of the south called the cocktail party i think that's the way Braden, that's how if I you and i were doing a radio yes. bit we would yes. we just call it the cocktail party i would call it the shootout oklahoma texas i would call it yes the weirdly the league, I, 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 it was one thing. The league kind of came out and said it's not that, but it's never actually officially been that. In other words, uh, Red River Showdown is has, is trademarked, okay, in Dallas. Someone owns that. There's Red a, that's River an entity. Rivalry. Rivalry. That's right. Red, yeah, Red River it's Rivalry. Not a shootout. Times. It was a showdown. You now said Wibble. Wibble. Yeah. Wibble. It's so hard to say. Wibble. 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 The first year, I just went and looked this up because I remember we did a big bit on this wherever I was working at the time. They tried to turn what I just said, cocktail party, world, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, into, do y'all remember this? You'll never guess it. Do you remember what they tried to do on the official merchandise? When was oh, it? Um, 16. I, like, I was going to say like five years ago. Um, uh, what did they call it? The River City Showdown. Oh, my God. River City? Jacksonville. What dog? There There's no so, rivers going through Gainesville or Athens, bro. There are so Sounds many, like a river dancing competition. There are so many old PR and marketing firms that just they've aged out. So of course that out. was rejected uh Im- immediately, immediately and violently. <laughs> I mean, just you can imagine how that went over, especially yeah. like just amongst people who again. It, to to Braden's point about creating a problem where there is none, and there, there's a phenomenon for this. It's called the Streisand effect. If you Google it, it's too long a story to explain. It does have to do with Barbara Streisand suing the state of California and turning nothing into something. There was no danger in the cocktail party. It was just that that connotation meant alcohol, but it was also never an official moniker. So they could have just have, just as easily let it lie or tried to introduce something that was better. Just well, try to introduce well, something that's better. Well, well I had to look it up. The, the, you don't even have to do that, Stephen. And and I, as somebody who works for ESPN, I can say like BYU in Utah on ESPN Radio, they do not want me saying the Holy War. And, okay. And and again, as what you can do with your media partners is you can just say, "Don't say it anymore." Yes, the Louisiana thing, Louisiana, like Louisiana Lafayette, ULL. There's a war over that. Yes, all you have to say is just you know. You go, you go to Uncle Vern and Gary, and you say, "Just don't say cocktail party on the air during the broadcast, please." Yeah, and that's, it, all you, and that's all you have to do. And it has a way. Hey, guess what? Ole Miss beat LSU last week. Guess what? You never heard once the phrase "Magnolia Bowl" because they tried and it died. It just didn't work. They made two different trophies for a game where, where you have a historic rivalry. It just didn't work. It has to be organic, y'all. And that one it actually does. That one doesn't sound too bad, actually. I don't. I don't mind that. It's a beautiful. Just word. call it the Mag. Didn't just call it the Magnolia. But the trophies were like, 
crazy and weird yeah, yeah. and trophies like, are just, silly the land yeah. grant trophy is my favorite um i love dude illabuck like i love all that crazy stuff they're doing in the midwest they're um, nuts they drink out of all of it going back to the, <laughs> the booze is there a prettier word than magnolia i don't know it's, it's in a lot of songs um kentucky at mississippi state any concern for the wildcats they have a lot of winnable games left on their schedule. They got Tennessee at home next week. We, we probably need to talk a little bit about Tennessee Bama. If you want to include that in this conversation here as well, but um, K- Kentucky on the road against Mississippi state. If you're going to be a 10 or 11 win team, this is sort of a game you need to go down the go, go win. But Mississippi state's shown us, I mean, they, they, I, they dominated Vanderbilt, but I don't know what that means. They, I don't know what Mississippi state is honestly still even seven no. games into the season. We don't have to recalibrate every week. I, th- I think it's exactly where it was two weeks ago. And I think Kentucky's going to be fine. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, okay. I don't think I don't think Mississippi State even. Mm-hmm. You guys are very confident. It's just hard yeah. to glean something from a Mississippi State Vanderbilt game at midseason. Well, yeah, I, agree. I mean, I had to do graphics, just like remotely graphics for the Vanderbilt game on Saturday, and there were none to make because, like the lead, like the like leading rusher at one time had like negative one yards. Like, I mean, it was <laughs> oh it was. I mean, truly, it was. There was quite literally no story to pull out of that game statistics wise that you could tell if you were Vanderbilt. Um, There was the defense on the field the entire time. It was a horrific showing and it does, it means literally nothing about Mississippi state's ability to beat Kentucky. I think it tells us zero. Uh, Can you be proud of your team's performance, even though you give up 28 fourth quarter points and and lose uh, by giving up a 50 burger? I mean, I'm not telling Tennessee to feel anything at this point. I mean, been abused enough. However, you want to try and spin it, it's fine. It's not as bad as losses in years prior. I don't think it's the. They were they were seven points down in the fourth quarter. So I know. I yeah. I, I thought it was scary. a. Yeah. I think it should be. I if I was a Tennessee fan, I would be. I think you have more grounds to be encouraged than you were preseason, and it's obviously Tennessee. Braden, yes. you said they're a little more realistic this year, which maybe was the truth, but I think Steven and I responded with where are the reasonable Tennessee fans, Steven alluding to not being able to fill a McDonald's full of them, they, but well, they have been, they just had a, mo- they had a momentary relapse and that was it because they this can't is look- grounds to be more excited than anything you could be preseason. I mean, you're down by seven points in the fourth quarter. Obviously that game broke wide open. If you take the fourth quarter out of it, it looked like a completely different yeah. game. And they're also tired at that point. Um, their ability to answer, we talked about this too, with, I think that has a lot to do with Josh Heupel and just the chemistry that this team has, but their ability to answer and not get down on themselves when they go down, even against a team, um, or were there behind, even against a team like Alabama should say something positive about them. Uh, here's my positive thing on Tennessee. I have a feeling this isn't going to be that positive, but shocking. Uh, I feel like Kentucky, this will be a workmanlike, pretty, pretty open and closed situation with Mississippi State this weekend. Do not feel that way about Tennessee the following week. Tennessee's I on fly right now. Yeah. I agree with that. Matchups better, momentum's better. Um, them going through the bye being as thin as they are make makes that yeah. better. Having had whatever you want to call moral victory with Bama makes it better. Um, that becomes a more winnable game than logic would tell us into in not this week but next week two weeks they, they were ahead of florida in the third quarter in the swamp they were down yeah. by seven going into the fourth quarter against bama on the road they almost beat pittsburgh a team now that is a top 15 type of team that could win their division um those are their losses 
I mean, they it's they, also going to be had, a lot of fights that game. Yes, they had three possessions with the ball in their hands in the fourth quarter to try to beat Ole Miss. Uh, they 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 feel like inside that facility, they feel like they are in the games, and that's mm-hmm. different because Jeremy Pruitt lost by twenty six every time. Yep. Well, and the other thing is this: just to break bad for a second, if they do get blown out by Kentucky, they follow that with Georgia. Yes. And there's just not going to be any momentum left, even though they have obviously like winnable games against South Allen and Vanderbilt to close the season out. Watch out. Cade Womack doing work down there. In, in yeah, the but they lost ULM. I know. That was weird. Uh, anything else? Any parting shots? Any, anything to say about Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri? They got a big recruiting win this week on the trail. So maybe, I don't know, you beat sure. Vanderbilt. I don't know. Anything positive? I lost his number, so I don't, I don't keep track of him anymore. They are uh, in yeah. the Southeastern Conference. Last time I checked. It should be a Big Ten West team. That's what they yep. should be. All right. But folks, anything else you'd like to add? Have a great weekend. Another light weekend of action this weekend. And then it picks up after that or everybody good. Having a good time. I'm Happy good. I don't want to talk about Vandy Mizzou at all. So yeah, I um, have no interest in that. Probably weekend. not winnable for Vanderbilt, but I, I, I mean, I feel like it should be, it would be winnable if this was maybe next year's Vanderbilt. How's that? It might put Mizzou closer into that bottom tier category with South Carolina and Vanderbilt. If they don't win by, several points yeah that's a good it's gonna yeah. put them yeah. closer to that very bottom yeah. tier yeah. that only south carolina and vanderbilt have been occupying up until and this will now. be their so last chance might... to yeah this is their last chance to do it aaron like yep. because yep. just looking at the rest of the, the, the schedule for them talking about recruiting wins at, uh oh no ah, guys i was wrong they've got south carolina oh yeah they've got to win those two games to get bowl eligible yeah and, and I don't know. They've got to win another one to get the bowl eligibility. So these three uh, teams are on much or much, yes. much closer than we thought at the beginning of the season. Yes. Tennessee was there. Now it's Missouri. And that is why Tennessee fans are mildly excited. And it's not uh, even close. I had a vision and my vision is that Missouri upsets Florida on November 20th. They and do that's how Eli things. gets two more years. He doesn't need on his contract. And Dan gets fired by the heat that doesn't exist that we're all making up. <laughs> <laughs> Missouri is not good enough to do that, unfortunately. Not at I all. do kind of wish that that happens, uh, just because Missouri has like played very strange games against Florida over the years. But okay. uh, all but right, I'm rooting for it. I just remember don't remember who it. said it. Uh, you you did you did. Uh, there you have it, uh, Stephen. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, we'll be right back, and when we do, Pat Dooley, Florida Gators expert, will join us and explain all of that heat that may or may not be happening in Gainesville with Dan Mullen. We'll talk with Pat Dooley when we come back. Pat, always a pleasure to see you. Good friend of the pod. How are you, sir? Mid-season form, I see. Yeah, I'm doing good. I mean, staying busy and, uh, you know, getting ready to play in a couple of golf tournaments coming up. So, yeah, it's a good oh, time. God. T- tough life for you, my friend. Tough life for you. <laughs> um, before we get into the, the, the cocktail party and what's actually going to happen the rest of the season, I, I do want to sort of gauge the pulse of what's going on with the fans and with Dan Mullen and the coaching staff. Let's start with with the defensive side of things. Will Todd Grantham be the defensive coordinator next year for this program? I hope not. Um, you know, I mean, there's just – look, the thing about Todd Grantham is you can point to stats that make him look good, and you can point to stats that obviously make him look bad. And last week was about the worst you could get. Uh, but in the end, that average is out to mediocre. And I think that uh, the fan base is ready. They, they need somebody. They would literally take – Bo Pelini right now, because um, they're just fed up. They're tired of it. 
And um, so, yeah, I think that they, but now, you know, with, um, with uh, Dan Mullen, he's been loyal. That's him to a fault. And, and he's been loyal with Emory Jones and he's been loyal with, um, he was loyal with Felipe Franks. And he's been loyal with Todd Grantham. Uh, so I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I know what the answer should be. I even texted Charlie Strong and said, if you're not the defensive coordinator at Florida next year, I'm done with the Gators. Okay. Uh, how much, if any at all, it may not be a factor at all, but I think ever that's not unique to Dan Mullen. I think a lot of football coaches are loyal to a fault. Right. But, yeah. And, and and it's not even just that industry. There's a lot of industries like that. But is there any truth to man? Dan Mullen is maybe not the easiest guy to work for. We had this conversation about Saban early in his career. Nobody wants to go work for him. Is it is it hard to work for him? And is that affecting his ability to attract a candidate or not? Is that even a factor? Or is that just me just spitballing here out loud? Well, um, it's a good question because Dan does have a prickly personality at times. Um, but, I mean, he tried to get Charlie and uh, the coach at South Carolina, Robinson, to come here and be co-defensive coordinators. The personality issue was with Todd Grantham because he, in both cases, kind of talked them out of it. You don't want to come here, you know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, I don't think that's what he said, but I know for a fact that it with Charlie, he said, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll talk about how great your defense is. And he didn't feel comfortable coming here. Um, so I don't think that is the problem, I think. But you know what's funny about – I was thinking about this today, uh, Braden. I mean, when you think about if you have a business, okay, or you work for somebody, you want loyalty. You want it so bad. And it's very important to you. The president, the ex-president of the United States wanted loyalty to, you talk about a fault. That was the biggest fault of all time. But when you do it as a football coach, everybody hates you. Why are you, why are you so loyal? You got to quit being loyal. All they care is the opposite of what you're doing is what they want to do when you're losing. Whatever it is, they want to do the opposite. All right. So I, I believe that Dan Mullen is an exceptional offensive mind who has overachieved everywhere along the way in his career has been brilliant. Almost every stop. He has, like you said, a prickly personality. He says some weird stuff in press conferences. I actually enjoy that because it means it's not, at least it's the truth. Even if I disagree with him, I, I'd rather hear that. Um, certainly he got the most out of, out of Kyle Trask and three top 10 finishes. There are questions about the recruiting, where are fans on Dan Mullen and is Dan Mullen the guy that can catch Georgia big picture? I know they beat him last year and they went to the, to the sec title game, but, but is once every five years that that's not good enough for Florida fans to, to get to the sec championship game. So is Dan Mullen the right guy to do that still? I think that's the question that even the people that have been supportive of him have, have finally been asking themselves. Um, and, and there was no reason to ask that question before. I mean, as you said, the three straight New Year's Six Bowls, um, you know, he was getting it done. And this had been, this has been a series that has gone in threes. You know, Florida wins three, Georgia wins three. Um, so a lot, I think a lot of people thought, Sorry. well, you know, maybe this is the beginning of Florida's three when he won last year. And it felt like, all right, Florida has caught Georgia. Now, George had a lot of injuries, but the, no, you can't whine. No whining allowed, L.A. fans. Um, 
So, you know, yeah, I, I think people thought it was there. And that's what's disappointing is now they go into this game thinking they've got no chance um, because Georgia is so good. Georgia picked a great year to have what may be its best team of all time because it doesn't seem like anybody's really that great. So it's kind of a weird dynamic there. Um, I don't know if he's the right guy. I think he's the right guy um, to win nine or ten games. Um can he get over that hump? Well, he took a major step back. The key, you got to understand, this is the, the key that Gator fans need to hear. Robbie Andrew and I retired on December 1st. Since then, they're two and six in power five games, and the one of the wins is over Vanderbilt. It's <laughs> our fault, and we're sorry. Well, that's also like eight, uh, you know, that's also like a two losses to Alabama by eight combined points. I think that number yes. is a, a little overblown, but um I, I still believe in Dan Mullen I still think he's an extraordinary offensive guru who can do what he wants with pieces which leads me to to Anthony Richardson you said he was loyal to Tamory Jones I, I he's been sort of he's sort of slow played his backup superstar quarterback every step of the way everywhere he's yeah. been he did it at Florida as a coordinator um is it just Anthony Richardson's not quite ready to grasp the entire playbook is he now ready to grasp the entire playbook. Is this the game against Georgia to do that? That seems like a, a tall ask. What, what is, what is the right strategy for handling the quarterback situation the rest of the year? Well, he hasn't asked me, but I can, I can tell him what I think it is. And I, and I, I'm asking I, you, I know, but I, I fully believe this is that you don't start him in this game. You don't start him against the number one defense. It's given up 46 total points all year. You just gave up 49 to LSU, but they gave up 46 all year why take a chance on wrecking this kid's confidence? But you play him in the game. You, you maybe even alternate him. I don't know. Whatever you, whatever your game plan is, you, I don't think it matters if Emery or, or Anthony starts a game, but I know what the crowd's going to be like. Um, if Emery runs out there, it'll be booing on one side and cheering on the other, but the booing's going to come from the Florida fans. So, um, but, you know, and, and then you've got four soft landing spots for him. You've got South Carolina, which has no offense, as you know, had 15 yards in three quarters last week. You've got Samford. I haven't checked on him. I do know they lost to Mercer earlier in the year. Um, you've got uh, um, Missouri, which has been a huge disappointment. And even though both of those games, the uh, South Carolina and Missouri games are up there, you know, that's not a bad, a tough atmosphere to play in. And you got FSU at home at the end of the season. You could easily win those games. Then, then go win a bowl game. You're not going to get a tough bowl game. You're going to be eight and four. You probably in the outback against some team you, you can out, out scheme. Um, and now you go into next year and you go, all right, we found our quarterback and everybody said, and we got rid of our defensive coordinator. That to me would be the perfect way to finish up the season because they're not beating Georgia. Okay. That's not happening. It's, there's a, I know that we play the games and I'm a big believer in uh, one, one major philosophy in my life and that it doesn't matter how good your team is. It matters how good you are on this day because you can be better than them, but if on this day they're better than you, that's all that matters. And that's what guys have to get through their heads sometimes. And it takes them until after they get through college to, to uh, do that. But so that, that's what I would do, but it, the quarterback spot. Yeah, Saban has taught a PhD class on that right there. Yes, exactly. Uh, that, that, that's what he's done. So, per, so they they lose to Georgia. Anthony Richardson starts the final four. They go nine and four with a bowl win. 
and they found their guy. The, the fan base feels pretty like there's no calls for Mullen, and they changed their coordinator on defense. You you think that's the the recipe for fans to sort of be back all in starting next season? Yeah, you know, I mean, I always like to talk about real heat and and um, and heat that is imagined. Kind of a you know, the real heat comes from the AD and the big, big, big money boosters. The perceived heat comes from fans on message boards who don't even go to games, you know, um, but I, there is a lot of that heat. It, it's, it's volatile right now, but the heat in Scott Strickland's office is non-existent. So, uh, but he needs to, for the Gator nation and for, to, for season ticket sales and everything, make these two moves. Uh, it may not work. I'm not guaranteeing them. It'll work. I know that here's what I know. I know that they've given up 40 points a game in their last six losses. And that's coordinator change time. If, if you ask me, um, you know, and I know that Richardson's probably going to solve some problems, but he, he's also going to come with a lot of problems, but I, I don't, I don't see where you can do anything else. Now he's a stubborn man. He's a stubborn <laughs> man. I know my wife thinks I'm the most stubborn man in the world, but it may be him. You know, my, my wife's in the same boat. We, we could have a stubborn off. Uh, I do think that Richardson's like, if you look around the country at players and you try to find that guy, that's got those skills that, you know, not only fits Dan Mullen's scheme with what he wants to do, but also is like the next super talent. And there's just, you talked about Georgia picking the right year. There's not a guy. I mean, there's some nice players out there, CJ Stroud and Matt Corral and Bryce Young, certainly very talented, but like you don't see that super quarterback like we had with Tebow or Vince Young or even Joe Burrow or Tua or Trevor Lawrence. There's just not that guy. Richardson has the skills. It's just going to be next year when, when it happens. You mentioned, I already alluded to it. You mentioned the Georgia Bulldogs. This is the best team you've seen since when for Georgia? Well, I mean, 1980, obviously they won the national championship. This team would destroy that team. That team, Although I have a lot of friends on that team, uh, especially Buck Blue, it was a one-man show, as we all know, with Herschel. And they played. They want. They found ways to win games. The team they had with Chubb and Michelle that was one play away was really good and should have won a national title if one guy just stands on the goal line. Um, what, what, about the, what about the 07? What about the 07 Stafford team that went to the Sugar Bowl and destroyed? Uh... Hawaii. Yeah, and beat Florida. That was the one year they beat uh, Urban Meyer that year too. Um, that was a good team, but they lost. You know, I, I I think this. To be honest with you, I think this is their best team. Now, I will say this: they have not played a good offense really all year. They played in Florida's ranked ninth in offense. Now, I, I'm not saying that's going to make that is your one little glimmer of hope um, for Florida, but uh, you know, I, I think I I looked it up. Uh, I averaged them together. I think the average offense is 80th in the country they've played against so far. So, yeah, they played some bad teams, but they've destroyed them. Then that's what you do. And that's, for example, what Ole Miss did against LSU this week. They destroyed a team in disarray. Florida, on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm not big on predictions, but how about this? Florida plus 14. You like that? No, I don't. I wouldn't take it. I would. I, uh, I know. Florida has not lost a game by more than seven points this year. And, um, you know, other than that fiasco in the bowl game last year, when they, you know, nobody, nobody came uh, every game they've ever, they've lost. And really, I think in the last two years has been less than 
a touchdown. So that kind of makes you think, I just don't know how much want to's left for this team. Interesting. Can't win the East. Yeah. Can't go to a major bowl. How much is, how much is there? I would take Georgia and give the points. Well, that, that big, that, that red G on the helmet though, does, does things to your brain when you're a Florida player though, you know, like it. it oh, it does. And that's the thing though, Brady. I mean, these guys have to understand that the way they feel about Georgia is the way everybody feels about them. <laughs> you know, LSU, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Tennessee, they all feel that way about Florida. They want to kill them. They want to, they want to, the beach boys, they want to get after them. And I, I told uh, Scott Strickland, I said, you should let me come give that speech because they don't get it. I've been around it forever. I get it. I understand. Everybody wants to be in every sport, softball, volleyball, everything. You're the team that's not supposed to be in the conference. <laughs> yet and yet you're still an aau uh, certified school uh pat always a, always a pleasure man love talking with you enjoy how many how, are you, how many cocktail parties have you been to oh i added them up last year i think it was in the it was in the 40s because i went that's, a lot as when i was a insane. kid and everything i sat through the 51 nothing in the rain game because my dad wanted to see if florida would score and they did not <laughs> um i was that was 68 so i went to that game i went to 69 so that, you, that's about how far back I go. That's, with that. that's incredible. Um, it, it's one of the great rivalry games. I recommend all SEC fans and all college football fans going. What's the one thing you have to do if you're an impartial observer when you go to the game? Oh, you just sit, sit by your car and, and have a little tailgate. And then when dog fans come by, you start throwing chicken bones at them. It's just, it's a, it's a ritual. Chicken bones. Pat, always a pleasure, man. Enjoy like your 57th cocktail party this weekend. We do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, buddy. We'll see you. That was Pat Dooley of like all of the different media entities down in Gainesville. He re- wrote for the Gainesville Sun forever. He's now just like a Florida Gator superstar. He's been covering the Gators forever. I, I, interesting comments about how, you know, Todd Grantham shouldn't be the defensive coordinator anymore. Things that you and me and Steven have all talked about. He kind of agrees with all of us. He just doesn't think there's a whole lot of heat right now on Dan Mullen and is not really sure how they're going to beat Georgia. So it's not really any, I, I mean, he just has a better insight into the whole equation, but um it sounds like they're going to need to pull something out of their rear ends this weekend against Georgia for, for them to change sort of the story. Um, one of the things he did say, though, if they were to win every game after Georgia with Anthony Richardson as the starting quarterback and, and they get to nine wins in a bowl game and they now have found their star quarterback for next year, they fire their defensive coordinator. That is a recipe for a lot of momentum in the offseason for Dan Mullen. So that I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, they don't really have – I mean, they have South Carolina, Samford, and Missouri, all games they should win. They also have to play Florida State, um, putting up a little bit more of a fight than the the latter of the three that I just named. But all of the all of those are doable. So I don't know. I, I'd be I'd feel very different as a Florida fan if Richardson is a star over the last month of the season. So we know we've got our guy. You fire your defensive coordinator and, and you you know, you win eight or nine games. There's you can sell that back to the alumni base and to yeah. the fans. And to the you players. preserve the momentum that you've gained and then you get right. rid, cut the excess. Right. Absolutely. Kind of a weird two weeks in the, in the, in the league, Aaron um, show got a little political today. I don't mind that. I hope people are okay disagreeing and they don't lose their minds when people disagree with what they, they think. I hope that, that we live in a world where we can disagree and still survive. 
The only thing dangerous about a world is people who can't talk to each other. That's when things get sticky. That's got to be what that sounds like a Disney, a good Disney. Like Wally is sort of already one of those movies, Mm -hmm. but like you're on to like, we just like you, you, you need to go to Hollywood and pitch like the, the, the movie where everyone just has a microchip in their head and they don't talk to each other anymore. Right. They just, yeah. They just text via brain waves. That's what that's that is when things get scary. Because Wally, Wally's that version of things. Just we just don't move, right? We're just big mm-hmm. fat blobs that float around on chairs, right. which is coming too. It could be both, actually. <laughs> it's so, actually both. It's the follow up to Wally, where we don't talk to each other and we don't move. Yeah, that would be really bad because then we'd be fat and more stupid, and we don't need that. Nope, those are both bad things. I think. Um, Special thanks to Stephen Godfrey, Pat Dooley, Aaron Dugan, Braden Gall for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Aaron, Fringe Element is brought to the wonderful people who listen. Bye. Jaspers, it's better than drinking alone. (laughs) Jaspers, priceless. (laughs) Jaspers, every kiss begins with J. Oh, I see what you did there. Pulled that right out of my ass. You're in good hands with Jaspers. I mean, we said we have the meats last week. We couldn't possibly have gotten worse. Oh, uh, I think we did. I think we tried. Only one way to go. We, we did? Uh, I was no. worse this week? No, you're right. You were better. You were better. Last week was pretty bad. You were better this week. Uh, on on the whole, across the podcast, you were much I better. I don't think I was bad all three times last week. But no, I honestly, no, you weren't. I couldn't. I can't say that because I have no idea what I said. So. You no ground out, you black out frequently on the show it happens all the <laughs> yeah time. don't um, remember anything well special thanks to you you can follow where can people follow you um the aaron dugan on twitter and aaron underscore dugan on the gram you can follow me at on instagram at Braden d gall how about that at four they could at 440 media on instagram um all the twitters as well thank you guys all for listening enjoy week nine have a cocktail take your pants off thank you for listening to fringe element here on the 440 sports network Cocktail and take your pants off? You think I'm inappropriate. <laughs>